Greetings, heathens, heretics, and indeed hellraisers around the world. Welcome to a very sweaty episode of In the Abyss. Um, I am my, you know, as grim as this sounds, my ass is proper fucking sweaty. Um, it's just myself and the voice of reason this week, because the holy man is, is, I believe he's drinking his weight in free, low-grade Italian wine as we speak. So um, it will be a uh, a, a chaos-free episode, I'm assuming. But, um, but yeah, um, how is Sonny Margate? Out there in the, uh, you know, in the, the armpit of Kent, I suppose you could call it. But... Um, well, it is the arse of Kent, really. Or it the looks, arse of Kent, yeah. It, it's the bum cheeks of Kent, but the way it sticks out at the top there kind of thing. Um, it's it's dis- it's disgustingly not very metal. Um, there's oh. no metal pub. There's no metal pub down here. Um, I've got to go to Canterbury just to get a taste of that. And, yeah, it's... Um, that's what's yeah. known as a metal fan's first world problem, I think. It, it really is. It's like it was one of my, my priorities when I came down here. And I'm only going to be down here temporarily. But, um, yeah, I've been sort of just asking around. There's obviously a good record shop down here called um, Some Nice Things, which we uh, we approve of. It's got some decent stuff. but um, Has it got some nice things? It, it, it has indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, apparently it's a, it's a, bit, um, it's a bit lacking in the... Uh, in that regard, well, so, yeah. well, you'll, yeah, you'll just have to travel to Canterbury. What a terrible, terrible thing! Um, right, so what are we doing this week? Uh, so this is a little bit inspired by a Twitter thread that was knocking about last week. Um, and quite often, you know, these sort of off the cuff episodes are, are quite good fun. So obscure and possibly underrated gems um, in terms of albums, things that people may not necessarily know or you know, you've heard of, but never heard that kind of thing, because I I very quickly had a run through my music library and I was quite shocked at how many I could throw into the mix with this and stuff that I hadn't heard or listened to for many, many years. So, but between us, we're just going to kind of see what comes up. And I don't know, some of it might be a lot more well-known to other people. I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's, there's some absolute fucking underrated classics in my list i know that so yeah and one thing that some of this has come from is kerrang cds in the 90s a lot of these bands yeah so you know well this is it looking at my list certainly i mean well looking at my collection it's very uh it's very skewed heavily towards the late 90s and early noughties there you go because prime, prime we, time. you know we were we weren't there for the 80s so we didn't really get a chance to um listen to stuff as it happened at the time um yeah because there's gonna there's but, i mean you know as you've probably found going through a bit of a journey there, there is there's so much obscure stuff in the 80s it's almost it's almost impossible to dig through it all so but yeah, yeah. right we, we weren't there first time round, so i suppose it's a bit different and there's some yeah there's some twitter accounts on again i'll when i've covered a lot of the 80s already i'll um i'll start to dig into the really obscure stuff i'm sure you know so, dodgy French speed metal from 1983 that kind of stuff yeah there you uh, go. um but it's uh yeah it's we'll, we'll we'll get there but for now it's um it's very much um it is a bit of a a 90s fest I think well mine my mine rages over a course of probably about 20 years I think so it's um it's it's, it's not bad but I tell I'll let, I'll let you uh, I'll let you go first what's what's top of your list 
Well, this is the one that I actually put on Twitter myself because uh, it's always the first one that springs to mind because it is obscure. Because when I was thinking about you know what clout class, what counts as obscure, how do you rate a band? And I was, you know, my idea for this is that you know if it's well known, if it's a well known known band who might have just released a a great album that got forgotten about, that's a no. Or if they've got some sort of cult fan base, you know, if they're the kind of band who, if they were to reform, would sell out of their gigs straight away, then they don't count either because they're they're well known enough within circles. I'm thinking bands who basically did one or two, maybe three albums, got absolutely nowhere, and then buggered off, and they're probably never going to re- reform. And if they did reform, no one would give a shit. Those <laughs> Those kind of bands, the the, the um, ultimate metal accolade. I think. Yeah, basically, which is which, and that's that's no criticism on these bands because, quite frankly, if they were to reform, I would I would absolutely see them. I just don't think many other people would. Um, but maybe we can change that. I don't know. Um, so the first band I I've picked is a band called Kilgore. I remember that name. In nineteen ninety eight, released an album called A Search for Reason. So. Yeah, they were they were on a Kerrang CD. I managed to see them live once because they supported the Mighty Fear Factory in Christ- Christmas '98 at the Astoria in London. Um, Would that have been one of those Kerrang shows? The the what was it? They called them X Fest or K Fest or something. One of those. That, yeah, because I went to I went to the signing um, in, in Soho opposite the Green Man that afternoon and met them and Spine Shank. <laughs> So, um, wow, good times. Well, might, actually, I think it might have been a Metal Hammer show. Uh, thinking about, I think it was Metal Hammer journalists were there. I'll try talking to them. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, it was a good gig. And yeah, the Kilgore opened. How can I describe this band? Um, I would say probably it sounds like Stone Temple Pilots mixed with prom. <laughs> And it works is the, is the key thing. It works quite well because it's a, it's got a very sort of grungy, groovy '90s sound to it, um, but it's heavy and it's crunchingly heavy at times. Um, but they've got the songs. That's the key here. They've absolutely got the songs, um, and it's and it's very um, it's very varied in how they approach it it's not particularly route one um there's ebbs and flows there's some slower stuff which is really big sounding and there's stuff which just hurtles along at a good place and it's just crushingly heavy um but this is it it's 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 just there's not a single bad song on that album it's just it's one of those i think it came out late in the year around the time they were doing that tour and it almost got forgotten off the uh off the lists um but it's always one I always come back to, and I do stick on quite regularly because it's just a damn good album. Um, great voice of the singer. Again, again, very, very Scott Wyland, but bigger and louder and more gruff, more baritone. Um, I remember the name, yeah. but I don't think I've ever heard them. Where are they from? <coughs> America, I believe. Oh, they are? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. I think if they'd have stuck around... They, I mean, they might have ended up getting caught up in the new metal thing a lot more. I don't know. Um, but they they had a lot of potential. They really did. I mean, that was their second album. And it was great. Like I say, it was it was great. And I was looking forward to them doing more. But they, 
split up soon after. All right, fair enough. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I may have heard them. If, if maybe if I listen to it again, all of this I, will go on a playlist this week anyway. So, um, we'll uh, I'll have a chance to listen to it. But for for some reason, when when you when you posted the picture of the the album artwork, I just assumed they were a new metal band. Maybe it's just the '90s thing with the artwork. I don't know. But it, I just... it, it, it is very. I mean, again, I think I think if they'd have stuck around, they could have gone a couple of couple of ways. One of which was bad. They they certainly had that potential to be that you know a, a butt rock Midwest sort of uh, MAGA. Um, yeah. Sort of. Well, I'm not saying they were MAGA, but they probably would have developed that kind of fan base, uh, MAGA metal basically. But um, nah, it is it's a great album, and they deserve much better. But they they stopped. So there you go. I, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing some of these because when I dug the ones on my list out, it was like fuck, I forgot how good this was. So yeah, I think that's um part of the fun of of, of digging back through the archives, isn't it? You know, it's uh, and that you know continuing the the sort of trend of Kerrang and Metalham, like we were saying, the um the 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 free Kerrang CDs back in the nineties were were an absolute fucking godsend it's almost like it was what we have now with sifting through youtube and and social media and whatnot and, and stuff just pops up yeah you get your run-of-the-mill things on on crank cds but there was always the odd well gem on there that, that pops up so my first one on the list is a band called handsome not hansen none of that shit but handsome yeah <laughs> self-titled yeah. album came out in 1997 with members of helmet crow mags murphy's law quicksand you know, very cool, you know, with, with that kind of background. The music was quite Helmet-esque, but maybe a bit more rocky, not as heavy, a bit grungy. But I stuck this on earlier in the week when I, and I completely forgot how fucking good this album was. And it never went anywhere. There was no follow-up, no nothing. It was literally a one-album project. And, uh, and they just knocked it out of the park. It was a bit of a mic drop moment, I think. This is what we do. That's it. We're off. It's quite, yeah. Do you remember it? I, yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean, I, I remember the track that was on the CD. Yeah, it's um, it, it didn't grab me at the time, but I think that's probably just what not what I was interested in, what was grabbing me. Um, but obviously, since since then, I've listened to a lot more Helmet, and I should probably give it a go. So um, yeah, no fair play. That's uh, that's one I will add to the list. And um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the thing about a lot of those CDs. You you know, we didn't have much money, so it was kind of yeah. you listen to. Can you know if you don't have any mates into metal kind of thing? I mean, I you know I was lucky enough to have my mate Rob who copied loads of stuff for me, and I did a few things for him. But you rinsed those CDs. Fuck you, you did. Burned, you, you burned them to a, to a you burned them to a cassette. Goodness me, you recorded them onto a cassette <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah, because that that's with a Walkman in it, and that's you know you just wanted to listen to as much stuff because you could have got into all of it and. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that was definitely a song I do remember from, from those days. So, uh, well, I, I discovered Entombed off the back of one of those CDs. Yes, ditto. Yeah. So I think it was the uh, it was to ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth, wasn't it? it was some, were yeah. we talking about ninety seven? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Early yeah so that was, yeah. that was one of the first. Like I said, after after I got into Iron Maiden and Sepultura and the mate did a load of stuff. That was one of the first bands new. I, d- I discovered through through Kerrang and, and Metal Hammer and get blew my mind. Yeah, see, never, never find this stuff like that. 
But on uh, before you come back in with another one, on that same CD that Hanson run, there was also a, um, a Welsh stoner band called Acrimony. Um, and the album I picked up off the back yeah. of it is called Tumuli Shroom Room, which yeah. I think was actually released in 96. It was a bit before it. Very cathedral-esque doom. Very, very cathedral-esque. But again, one of those bands that got me into that type of music, I then discovered stuff like Cathedral after, after them, which is which is a little bit odd because at that point cathedral were you know well established yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and i've got again gone back and listened to it this week i get the full album the car treatment and yeah just just packed full of fucking riffs is 10 11 minute songs proper fucking <laughs> 90s doomy stone metal. loved it yeah that didn't, didn't grab me at the time i think but again i've never really got into the doom thing um so nothing's changed in that regard but i, I remember that did very well with like the end, end of the year yeah there's yeah, certain really bands popular. that were just just everyone seemed to love and but they never really caught on with the fan you know the the, the Krang fan base as it were um, well they um they they split up in 2001 and then in 2009 four-fifths of them are now in a band called Sigariya um who okay. have got a little bit of a sort of a cult following now they've i think they've played desert fest a couple of times and they kind of mix in with that kind of crowd so but they're they're a little bit more a little bit more psychedelic i suppose than than acrimony were but but yeah they, anybody's into that type of thing has never heard of acrimony go and have a listen to it again it'll be on the playlist and it's uh yeah it's, it's just a, an absolute fucking banger um what's next for you awesome. What's, what, what am I going to mention next? I just like uh, to say that um, he's sitting there scrolling through an iPod <laughs> as, as we have this conversation. So it's, it's, it's like a modern day antique now. It's, it's Yeah, like I said, I've had this for 12 years at this point, um, 64 meg. It still just about works. Um, the play pause button doesn't, but I can play pause with taking out the headphones but yeah the batteries um almost had it so i'm i'm yeah <laughs> it's uh it's, it's reached it's reached the um the third act uh similar to homer simpson's love for his panini <laughs> so I'm, I'm at that point where i'm sleeping with it and i know it's going to die soon so yeah um but for now it's yeah i'm well I'm, i've i'm using this because you know we get the odd um album freebie preview in advance and yeah, where where I can actually get to a point where I can listen to it, I put it on here because I can't. Oh, get of on. course, can you can download it to a fucking iPod? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's one album I'm listening to a lot, and I've managed to get it onto iPod because because version I can't do it on my phone, and I'm not going to do it on my phone. But yeah, um, oh, we'll we'll be talking about that album a lot soon. But um, yeah, as its uses. Anyway, right. While we're sort of in that period, um, I think the next band I'm going to listen. Uh, um, I'm going to mention. Uh, a band called Gravity Kills, and I've um, I think I've mentioned this band already before. Um, and the album I believe is also called Gravity Kills. Let me just check. Yeah, Gravity Kills. Okay, so they actually released three albums over over about six years, um, but I don't think they really really got anywhere. Obviously, before they split up in two two thousand uh, two thousand and three, uh, although they did reform. So they, but they never released an album during that time. But yeah, I think ultimately they never really got out of even, they never really got into cult status, I don't think, because yeah, ultimately they never released another an album when they reformed. But yeah, their first album was called Gravity Kills. They're an industrial band. 
simple as that. But we're talking that sort of chart-friendly, accessible, industrial. Got a bit of a Nine Inch Nails vibe to them, but not quite so dark. Oh. Um, they had a couple of uh, notable remixes. So I think Al Jurgensen did a remix for uh, one of their big tracks. Well, that um, always gives you credibility, doesn't it? Exactly, which is cool enough. But I think um, I think what they did do is they managed to get a couple of their tracks licensed out to snowboarding adverts, that kind of thing. Um, I recall, I just recall them having stuff like that going on when I think they were on MTV2 a couple of times. Um, but what this, is, what this is really, it's just a solid industrial album. Um, it's quite accessible. It's disposable in a way because you, you, you can listen to it and not get too deeply involved in it. It's not like you know, the downward spiral where it just, you know, you know, bleeds into you. Um, it's, it's just a good sort of rock album uh, that you can stick on every now and again, which which I have done. I, I have revisited it, you know, often enough. So, um, and it's one of those, I think, you know, because of the, the Banishment album that I've raved about this year, just reminded me of that, just a, that, that sort of, you know, nailing the industrial sound without being, you know, massively original, so to speak, and, and having having an A-star album, but being well, great. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the words industrial and accessible don't normally come together very easily, do they? So, no, you know, anything that kind of penetrates that is is good. We're, we're actually going to do an episode on, uh, on industrial in a few weeks' time, um, but I, I really need to do some research. So I know nothing yeah. about industrial mail. Yeah, really yeah. Don't. Give me time for that. Uh, Apart from a few, a few obvious ones, but yeah, that's, but it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting subgenre of metal, I think. And I mean, like I say, it's the range of it, and obviously the sound. It's, um, I mean, I, I, that is what's. I mean, I probably will get started on the next part of my journey. And I, I do want to focus on that, get a few albums under my belt, but. You know, I mean, I, like ministry, I went from synth pop to industrial and did a few good albums, and then they made something called an album called Filth Pig, which divided opinion massively. Yeah, yeah. and I, I would say to me, it's nigh on unlistenable um, <laughs> personally, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Bean probably loves it. Um, is that the uh, the ultimate industrial accolade? I think in it being completely yeah. fucking unlistenable, but yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I'll give a quick shout out to Alex Palmer actually because he's made me a playlist of um, of industrial stuff which I've briefly delved into so far, but not not too deep yet. And yeah, I've, I've been struggling with it. I must admit, <laughs> some of it is yeah. I mean, I mean, you know me, I love the synth pop as well, so I'm probably a bit more open to that. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, something. It's just. Harsh for the sake of harsh, um, dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just makes me think of the sound of just like concrete block being bashed together or something. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. That's where it all started, wasn't it? With, I mean, it, it, people people forget industrial was a punk thing, wasn't it? It was a post punk thing. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. It wasn't. It, it had nothing to do with metal at that point in time. That was a very different culture. You know, this was basically young punks whacking metal with sledgehammer and shouting down megaphones and stuff like that you know yeah. stuff like i'm sure send a new button and throbbing gristle that kind of stuff and it's only it's it's only when yeah certain certain people just started actually writing pop songs about it and to be fair you, you can probably sort of look at bands like depeche mode as a as a, as a key aspect in that sort of bridging that gap because they you know they only progressed really after their chief songwriter left because they started listening to a lot of industrial music and trying to expand their sound and then they just 
Ben came nine inch nails in ministry. So yeah, exactly, and that's 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 probably what changed it all. But yeah, we'll um we we will have a bit of a, a deep dive into that. Um, do you remember a band called Cold? Cold, yes, yes. That's, that's another one that came up on my list. Their uh, their self titled debut, which that's came first. all the way back to nineteen ninety eight. That day, which I'm sort of a little was a little bit shocked by. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there was one song, and again, I think it was on a Kerrang CD as well. Um, when I listened to it again this week, it hasn't aged well, I must admit. I, I yeah, I can believe that. But there was there was something quite quite catchy about it. The singer Scooter Scooter Ward, yeah, yeah, had that sort of grungy crony sort of voice, didn't he? And and the you know the music was kind of like a grungy take on new metal, but it was a bit. It was a bit of an industrial vibe. It had that. Kind it had a little of bit of it, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah. They again. They, I think they released two or three more albums. I think they are technically still going in some Probably, kind of yeah. some kind of guys, but yeah, they were being hailed by Kerrang as some new, awesome next big fucking whatever it was, and it, it kind of never really happened, but. I do remember enjoying the album at the time, but yeah, it definitely hasn't aged well. It's definitely of its time. Yeah, I I, I thought it was okay, but I, I didn't go for it. In that instance, that was one of those that just yeah, I can't I can't spend my money on everything that's raved about and whatnot. Um, yeah, I I bought the CD and it it came in like a red jewel case and everything like that, so it was you know it was limited edition bullshit. But yeah, it's um, but again, if if you were into that kind of thing at that time, I think it it is it is worth checking out. Just just take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. Doctor Living Dead. What's that? Sorry, Doctor Living Dead. Right, no, that's uh, that's a new one on me. Yeah, so I had a, I had a, a brief obsession with this band when I first heard them. So we're going back to 2010, 2011. Their debut album is self-titled, and um, they are suicidal tendencies worshiping punky crossover thrash. Okay, um, right. The fact right. that they, they, they all wore suicidal style masks on stage, the the check shirts, you know, they had that whole image going on. Um, but in terms of crossover thrash, I think they've got five albums out. They have now split up. They're Swedish, so obviously they're going to be good. Yeah. Um, there's one particular song, which was the first song I heard. It's called Revenge on John. <laughs> and it's it's all about John McClane. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, so the the lyrics are all around Die Hard, and it's fucking genius. And from that point, um, I, I I was a little bit obsessed with them. They they kind of had that promise where the kids, you know, it's almost like they're gonna get big, they're gonna get big, and it just never happened. They changed their singer, and then I think about three four years ago they went tits up altogether. Mm-hmm. But um, but give it give this album a listen because in terms of proper crossover thrash this is this is up there with some of the best in the last 10 years the debut album crossover is very popular at the minute and this this is a sort of a good way into that really really good fun and like i said a song about diehard you can't go wrong with that right good good that's it Russ. it's nice to have a new one i don't know about so yeah there you go so um yeah um and you know what i'll quick i'll throw another one in there there was a side project in 2007 called dublin death patrol Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so the album was called DDP for Life. Again, this doesn't get talked about a lot, considering who was in it. So it was, it was Chuck Billy from Testament, yeah. Zetro from Exodus, and then a whole load of other thrash musicians. Um, they played a few songs as well. I've played a few songs, played a few shows, and some of those shows, there was 
10, 11 of them in the band. It was like a, you know, an Irish tinged thrash slipknot, I suppose. Um, it's a great cover of Thin Lizzy's Cold Sweat on the album as well. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just good fun. It's like rocky thrash, I suppose, um, with a bit thrash. of a Thin Lizzy. Yeah, with a, with a bit of a Thin Lizzy vibe. Um, well worth a listen. I haven't been able to find it on Spotify, I don't think. Yeah, there you go. That's how, uh, that's how one-off it was. So that 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 might that might make it harder to find, but I'm sure it's I'm sure there's stuff knocking about on YouTube. But yeah, Dublin Death Patrol, DDP for Life, 2007. If you can find it, check it out. It's really good fun. So come on then, what's next on the iPod of Dreams? I'm just trying to sort of find. I'm just sort of going to go for the stuff that you might not mention. Um, first of all, um, yeah, I'm wondering okay. if there's going to be anything in this list that 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 crosses over between us because that has happened before. There is, there, there is going to be stuff, and you know, it, it's going to hark back to our metal pigeon days. So, um, yeah, yeah. those were the days. There's probably, I mean, there's probably some more I could probably sort of dig out from that. But I was just, I, like I said, I was, I was trying to zero in on the stuff that is just more obscure than not. Uh, well, anyway, this is this is a bit further back, but my next nomination is for um, a band called Group Dog Drill. Oh my fucking god. That's group with a with a double O. Double not, O P. <laughs> not a U, uh, not not a normal group. Yeah, group dog drill. So yeah, we're talking ninety eight to uh, two thousand one or thereabouts. They did two albums, and I'm nominating the first uh, first album, which was called Half Nelson. Yeah, I I remember it well. Yeah, I mean it's not metal, but we're talking good sort of heavy, groovy rockabilly, but Brit, almost Brit Rocky in a way. Lots yeah. of attitude, lots of choruses. You know, dirty. I mean, they, I mean, they're from Doncaster, um, but it was all it was all tattoos and quiffs. There was only three of them, whatnot. But you got the impression that they like to drink and smoke and probably fight and, and etc. But yeah, just real. Re, re, it was really refreshing at the time because it was just just you know it wasn't trendy or, or whatnot. But it's they just sounded a bit different. Very old school, but. Very, very fresh. Um, and funny enough, their um, their front man, Pete Spivey, I think his surname, he's the main dude uh, behind the rock band Black Spiders. So he's still... Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, so he's still doing stuff these days. But um, yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah that, that, that first album, Half Nails, you know, a couple of uh, some great tracks like Oily Rag, Jackie O, Gracelands. Yeah, um I do, I do remember them. Kerrang loved them as well, didn't they? They, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they rule over the magazine kind of thing. And never got to see them, I'm afraid. But there you go. If there's one thing this conversation is starting to tell us, though, is 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 just how important Kerrang were to us in the '90s. There's a new book out actually, which is almost like a celebration of it. I do need to yeah, it. I've seen well, that. I, I need to pick that up as well. And I've also, I haven't listened to it yet, but I've also discovered another podcast called Kerrang Back Issues. So that oh. check it out. They're literally oh. just talking about. Old issues of Kerrang. So, well, there's, um, there's a Twitter yeah. account that re that basically scans old issues, and yeah, and it's 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 quite quite something because again, you get a chance to sort of discover some obscure stuff, yeah, stuff that never really went anywhere. Although, I, I, you know, it, it's pretty clear that there was a bit of a sexism problem in the eighties. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, That's, um, that, that that was the time, I think. Is the, yeah, the problem, yeah. It's it's uncomfortable, but it's we've moved on, so that's good. But um, okay, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to 
check that out, I think. Yeah, I, so I haven't had to listen to it yet, but you know it's worth a shower because it's, it's, it's a great idea for a podcast, and it's almost it's almost a gift that keeps on giving. That I think. Where should I go next? I think back in the early two thousands, early to mid two thousands, so two thousand two, three, four, five, that kind of era. It was you know when the the, the Viking metal thing was oh, first wow. kind of thrust on us with bands like Terizus and, and and stuff like that. Um, there was there was one band that were a bit more. Cult, I suppose, a band called Mythotin. Mythotin. Right. Um, and this album's called Gathered Around the Oaken Table. It actually came, <laughs> in, actually came out in 1999. So they're one of the early sort of purveyors, if you will, of this, this sort of Viking metal sound. Um, there's a bit of a black metal feel to it as well, but it's really, really catchy. The folk elements are really strong, but it's... It do, it's not like bands like Corpiclani where there's loads of traditional instruments in there as well. It's just, it's just you know, Viking tinge death metal, but it is so ridiculously full of hooks. You know, there's one particular song on that album called In the Clash of Aeons, and it is like the perfect song to be galloping across mountains on a horseback. It's 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 just great fun, great fun. Production is fucking shit. It's, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it's, it's quite muddy and messy throughout but you know it all comes through and it, and it kind of works with that that sort of sound it, you know like you know the, the love for early days of black metal and how shit that sounded people people do love it so it's, it's kind of got the same sort of feel but yeah you know considering they came along before anybody else i, I put them similar sound i suppose to the really early ensophirum stuff is probably the closest you right. get to it but a bit more black metal. Okay. I think, they are, I think they are finished too. So, yeah. And there are a few more albums out there and all. So, yeah, again, it'll be on the playlist. Give it a listen. Never quite made it, though. It sounds... Oh, no. Yeah, not, not even close. Not even close. They're, they're probably massive in a village in Finland or something. You know. <laughs> Brilliant. The, the, the local Viking metal band that keeps just kind of playing the odd show in a local pub sort of thing. I, I can imagine it's exactly that. You know what? Another one quick shout out to uh, to Tom from Allfather for posting this one on Twitter earlier last week. The workhorse movement. Remember yeah, that? That's, that's on my list. There you go. That's on my list. Yeah, that's a great album. I've listened to it for a while, actually. I, you know, but but I, I, it's a great album. I, I need to. I, uh, I yeah, I remember when they when they when this album came out. Sons of Pioneers, it's called, isn't it? That the yeah. Album? Yeah. Um, Remember, really wanted to see them. I think we were in London at another gig one night, and they they were playing at the garage. So I never got to see them. But yeah, this this kind of weird. They were a really weird band, weren't they? A mix of it was there was a little bit of new metal to it, a bit of stoner metal in there. There was funk in there. There was sort of Sabbathy riffs. There was there was hip hop in there. It was a real sort of mishmash Ooh. of stuff. There was groove. Yeah, there was definitely groove. Real groove. They, they, they sort of. It wasn't rap, but it was this sort of funky vocal type, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Two vocalists, I, I think. There were, was it two Oh, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. As was uh, the thing back then. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was the thing at the time. But, um, but you look, when, when you've got a song called Keep the Sabbath Dream Alive. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, lyrics in that, like driving down Sweet Leaf Road, Keep the Sabbath Dream Alive. You, you, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with that. It's, uh, And you know what? This one's actually aged quite well. I think it still sounds quite oh, fresh. But the song, the songs were good. That's the thing. The songs yeah. were good. They were just straightforward. Yeah, you know, there was nothing 
there was no gimmicks involved at, at, at all there. It was just they, they just it was rock, fundamentally rock music, heavy rock music, but they just managed to blend different things together quite well. Yeah, and there was a blues uh, to it. And I think there was a lot of variety on the album as well. None of it really it wasn't repetitive. None of it really sounded the same. So, no, you know, they probably don't get enough credit for this. They went on to form another band called the Dirty Americans, which was quite disappointing in comparison. It was a bit sort of bluesy, grungy type of thing that that didn't really grab me as much. I was quite disappointed with it. But you know, I think they they got on Ozfest tour in the states, and you know, they had a bit of a moment in the sun. They did. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. The video was on MTV too a lot, so yeah, great band. I've, um, I've, I've listened to it a couple of times this week, actually. I mean, I think I wonder if some of these bands you're sort of mentioning, you know, the, the good ones, they they just couldn't fight their way out of what was a very crowded, yeah, crowd. I mean, you know, people talk about oh, you know, rock is dead and all that, and you know, people were saying that even back then. It was '98 when it was Marilyn Manson wrote that song, but yeah, you think about the new metal stuff and everything else that was going on here and there it's 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 so vibrant so crowded um and i think yeah i think a lot of the i think the ones that didn't have an obvious selling point to maybe younger people just fell fell by the wayside yeah but good songs weren't enough yeah yeah because yeah it's weird because the bands that had the songs but didn't have the gimmick almost yeah they they kind of lost out for that. I mean, you you could say that Workhorse Moving may have been not a gimmicky band, but they had a bit of a shtick. You yeah, know, they, they had a there, there was an image that they had sort of nailed down, and that mix of funk and, and they had the two vocalist thing going on, which, like you said, was popular at the time. But it just never seemed to happen for them. I guess it's it, it's weird. I mean, that's like earlier in the week I went to see E Town Concrete in London and. You know, a, a hip hop driven hardcore band that have never played in the UK, but in the States, they shifted 120,000 records Ooh, in a short it. space of time and got themselves on the Ozfest tour. But it never really, never really happened for them in a big way, other than a cult status outside of the US. And they're kind of similar to this that they were quite ahead of their time sound wise but it just didn't catch on where the likes of hate breed were getting bigger and bigger all the time. It, it didn't really happen so much for, for E-Town, but, but you know what? It was fucking good seeing them live last week through all these years. Fucking really fucking good fun. Shall I throw another one in? I think you'll go remember on. this one. You've got quite a lot of lists going. Yeah. Well, it seems like it. Uh, one dice. Oh yeah. I was, I was thinking about putting it on, but I thought you probably will. So, uh, there you go. Last, that last cry lose is that what it's called? That was the song, wasn't it? The, the okay. song that was sort of was was sort of thrust into us. The album was called Life. Um, That's it. Yeah, Life. Yeah, came out in two thousand and one. They're from Brazil, in the UK. Um, sludgy, grindcorey noise, I suppose, is the is is the way of looking at them. Um, it's, it's, it's hardcore, but very nasty hardcore. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was good. I used to, I actually worked with their drummer who, who changed his name legally to Damien Diablo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, which, which was slightly peculiar, but. Damien yeah, Diablo. That's what it is, isn't it? Damien Diablo. Yeah, yeah. Was it Devil? Yeah. I forget. His, his, his name was actually Damien, but he changed his surname legally to Diablo. Yeah. So, I yeah. think Diablo, well, Diablo was a fantastic four villain, but I think it's Spanish for Devil. I think, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but that, yeah, that's that's really good. And 
you know, where bands like Rage and Speedorm were really popular at this this kind of time, who I never got into, this is a similar sort of sound, but it was it was infinitely better for me. I've really enjoyed the album. And again, it it's listened to it now, 20 years down the line, it hasn't aged badly. I think it sounds all right. It's heavy, it's nasty. Yeah. You know, it, it it would almost fit quite well with some of that sort of sludgy death metal stuff that's around now. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, again, no gimmicks, just just a good sound and yeah, well produced uh, mini album from what I recall. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it sounded it sounded really dirty and heavy and exactly what you want that kind of thing to sound like. So uh, yeah, oh, memories, just fucking memories. And I think again, I think Kerrang were, were were quite all over this lot and all. Come on then, let's have a look next on the iPod. Okay, right. Well, this is again. We're this. We're going back to the metal pigeon days. Um, I want to go through the list first before I start scouring through the iPod. Yeah, this was a uh, this was one of our favourites actually when we did the metal pigeon. Um, they did a couple of albums and then they disappeared. I think I just called it a day. Really, did, again fighting fighting amongst the crowded uh, setting. But um, yeah, there's a band called Steel Remains. Oh my god! Yeah, I kind of um, like them. And I'm, you know what? I could have actually mentioned either of these two albums, but I'm going to go for the first one because that's what that's what caught me um, to begin with. Uh, it's called "Of Love and Lunacy." Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, this was this would have been 2005, I think, or or 04 when that first album came out. It was, um, it was prime new wave of American heavy metal time. It, it was maybe that sort of metal core-ish kind of, yeah, with, you know, because the breakdowns and whatnot. Um, but again, they had a lot. They had a classic heavy metal vibe with the, with the solos and the riff style, harmonized guitars. That's what did it. But yeah. also for me, they had a keyboardist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they brought him in a lot more in the second album um, called The Serpent. And they actually went. They went synth guitar route. They went down the, the, the somewhere in time route for that album. Um, which and I love that as well. Um, yeah. And actually, I think I interviewed the. I think the keyboardist. Um, backstage at Brixton Academy when they toured. I can't remember who they supported. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to dig that out. But... Pro- probably probably a kill switch engage, I would have thought. Quite made? possibly. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll dig it out. But, but um, yeah, I think they were, they were pretty decent. But, um, yeah, just, again, really good songs. But they had a, had a sound that was just a bit more theirs. Yeah. Um, that stood very, out. Very hooky, very catchy songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I th- and I think you know what a lot of people probably did, but they didn't hear about them because maybe a lot of old schoolers probably weren't maybe checking out certain bands. They did look, they did have the emo look. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you know they probably uh, they probably hooked hooked some of that crowd in. But I think a lot of old schoolers would have got into them if they'd have given if they'd have stumbled across them. Yeah, I I remember that how sort of high in the mix the keyboards were, but it but it worked. It almost shouldn't have worked. Yeah. But but it it really yeah it really did I, I completely forgot about them completely forgot. I think I, I do remember seeing them once um, again supporting somebody in in Exeter <laughs> yeah of all places um, fuck me it may even be someone like the Haunted or someone like that I don't know I can't remember but yeah really really good band completely forgot about them I don't know so much about the second album. That was good. Yeah, well, but... yeah, yeah. I, I reviewed it at the time. Um, yeah, you, you gave it to me. It was like, there you go. You like them. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I say, there was a lot, of, lots of synth guitar on that album. 
Um, so yeah, I lapped it up. But yeah, they called it a day afterwards. So, you, why are you speaking about that era? We let's let's talk about Metal Pigeon for a minute because we've mentioned it a few times on on this podcast and. Yeah, this is kind of where this sort of thing started for us and and some other friends. So Rob Lang has also been on this podcast, uh, a guy we know called Chris Baker. Um, we we all worked on this this webzine for about what three years, I suppose. Years. Was it that long? There you go, four, four years. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, called Metal Pigeon. Uh, the Pigeon Delivers was the the sort of tagline, and uh, that webzines were were very much a thing at the time. We had our message board and whatnot. We did our reviews and interviews, but. I think we had some we had some really good fun doing that. Didn't we? We had some, we, did, we got some cool interviews in place, and you know it's uh, yeah. I, I look back on some of those now. I you know remember interviewing Jamie Jaster from Hatebreed in Cardiff while Slipknot are sat in the same room eating their breakfast kind of thing, and all all round one big table like they're, they're on some, some kind of school trip. Peter Dolvin from The Haunted, one oh, of the. Right one of the most interesting people I've ever met, ever been able to talk to. He just, some of the stuff he had to say was, was just out there. Um, brilliant, brilliant guy. But we lost the website in 2007. I had just done an interview with Phil Ryan from Sacred Reich um, when they reformed. And that interview never saw the light of day because the whole website went down and we completely lost it. It was a real shame. It was like our, our own online community. Well, I don't think many people read it, but... No, no, I think yeah, for us. on the forum was, was us and our mates, really. And we were attracted to other yeah. liked us, but yeah, but it's it's um I it, so 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 yeah, I know it was some sort of crash, but was it just a case it was too much effort to rebuild? Yeah, I mean we, we lost all the content, everything. There it was just no trace of it. And 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 Chris, who was the you know, IT genius, did everything he could to try and retrieve it, but yeah, we lost it, and then it just yeah, it was it was too much, too much work to try and get it up and going again. So it was a, we came, we saw, we went sort of thing. Yeah, and I think things you, you lot, but not me, we're all sort of newly married and kids gone their way and stuff like that. And it's just yeah, it was a, yeah, I suppose it was around about that time. Yeah, what you mean, oh, yeah. like, like growing up? You mean? Yeah, well, that's it. It's, it's I, I was the only person who really could have probably committed to it at that point. So um, yeah. Well, I was I, living in Cor- I was living in Cornwall as well, and as a couple of us were, so that's that's never conducive to, you know, being able to interview people and and actually build content. So mm-hmm. it's um yeah, it was it was a bit of a struggle. Can you remember any of the interviews you did? Yeah, I did four. Um, yeah, well, that's it. You, re- you remember stuff, don't you? you? Stuff like that, it sticks sticks out. Yeah, I did four. I so I interviewed, like I say, the keyboard player from Steel Remains um, backstage at. Brixton with a queue, the queue snaking around just below me. So that was quite fun. I interviewed one of the bassists from Every Time I Die because um, they they, <laughs> they, yeah, they had a different one each year, didn't they? Um, and this was at the time of oh god, it was it was the album after Hot Damn. Was it Gutter Phenomenon? That's that came after Hot Damn. I think yeah. so. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So I yeah spoke spoke to him somewhere in the LA too, um, which has now been demolished in his. God knows what, whatever they're working on still now. Um, Boo. Uh, I uh, interviewed Derek, the drummer from Bleeding Through It in the Janice's Closet behind Islington Academy. <laughs> Beautiful. Right? Rock and roll. Was, yeah, yeah. It was, well, it really was like we were just wandering around backstage trying to find somewhere to sit down. It's like we can't find anywhere. And what was funny is we were in there and 
basically during it, the janitor came in and said, sorry, I just need to get my mum up and bucket. But yeah, great interview. Um, and I think the other one, the first one I did was, oh, you know what, I can't even remember his name, you'll know him, but it was the, the, the guitarist from Dream Evil. Oh, um, really? I don't, I don't remember that. Um, Nordstrom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nordstrom. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I interviewed him in the underworld, Cam- uh, London Underworld, Camden Underworld, in one of the um, seated areas that, that afternoon before we went for lunch and whatnot. That would have been around... <laughs> Book of Heavy Metal? Was it that, that era? Yeah, just before then. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that was it. But yeah, that was 05. That was the first one I did. But yeah, he was lovely. Lovely chap. But he's, um, a fu- he's a fucking legend. Yeah, I could. I mean, I don't know who I would have interviewed, but it's quite possible that I could. I could have interviewed Tim Lambesis from As I Lay Dying. From prison or? Well, um, no, but they, they played VLA2 doing a support and all that. And they, I was told to wait outside of, like the backstage area and someone will be someone will be there you know it could, it could have been Tim it could have been someone else but basically no one turned up for me so it was like I'm fine I'll just enjoy the free gig instead yeah um, that, that was kind of the best thing about it, it, it was, there was a lot of a lot of guest listening involved in it yeah it gave, it gave us some free free some music fun. free music to review yeah uh, obviously yeah. there was a lot of shit but um, yeah, yeah but it was but, it, but back then it was CDs that all came through the post I'd get this big fat fucking envelope full of promos and and you know yeah this there was yeah there was some good stuff there was some some shit stuff and that some of the people that we uh we, we dealt with back then are, are still well and truly going now and it's you know it's really good to see so this is kind of resurrecting that but yeah. um but yeah yes yeah they, they were they were I, good fun times i still um quite sad just because i tend to save everything i've still got some of my interviews and reviews uh on my hard drive see that's interesting i wonder if we could do something with some of them yeah yeah absolutely i mean i, I mean i don't know i need to read read from first because <laughs> it might be some of them might be dodgy but yeah it'd be interesting to to revisit those and see 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 where i am but uh yeah i kept them just just cause it was always it was always tricky because obviously you had to transcribe these interviews into print and and you never really you know when we've had guests on the podcast when you can just have open conversations and it's just it's just good fun it's it's so much different when you just ask it's just a question answer format and you know one of the most engaging people for me was jamie jaster from Hatebreed. he he was he was great he was he wasn't afraid to answer anything he was really honest about everything i asked him and you know when you look back at that now it would be nice to have a conversation like that but without the restrictions of having to put it in print if you know what i mean and, yeah yeah, yeah. But, no, I just thought I'd reminisce a bit there because oh, yeah. they, they were they were really important times. I remember sitting in Phil Switching Gage's tour bus outside. Um, was it the the Monarch in Camden when they did uh, they did a, they did a tiny little show there, didn't they, with Chimera and God forbid and oh the Barfly, the Barfly. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we oh yeah. Well, obviously you you must have done that because I I came to the gig afterwards, but. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, the tour bus absolutely fucking stank of just sweaty man. Sorry, kills was engaged, but you know, he really did. It's a tour bus, it? It fucking reeked, but there you go. Anyway, um, what else have I got? It? So this is one for Bean, actually, because I was I was at Bean's place a couple of weeks ago before we went to see Carcass, and um, I'd never heard this before. Um, but I thought I'd bring it up because 
I, I really enjoyed it and I was quite surprised. So the band are called Film, Film, Film with a PH, P-H-I-L-M. Right. Yeah. Um, the album's called Fire from the Evening Sun and it's one of Dave Lombardo's many, many side projects. Um, they're a three-piece band. This album came out in 2014 and there is so much going on in this album. It's It's ridiculous. Everything from jazz fusion through to straight up thrash, punk and blues and and you'd have all this going on and then you'd have this massive Slayer style drum fill just kind of hit in the middle of it. You think, yeah, that's Dave Lombardo. And it's and it's fucking brilliant. It's it's really, really good. And I'm surprised how how immediately I, I picked it up as well. Like first listen, this is really good. Every single song is different. He's done a lot of side projects over the years, and obviously he's been in a lot of bands, but this yeah, this was was a real pleasant surprise so to speak. So check out, like I said, film, P-H-I-L-M, and the album's called Fire from the Evening Sun. Give it a listen. Fuck, he's got Dave Lombardo drumming on it. What more do you want? The moon on a stick. He, he, he's probably he's probably played on that. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you. Um, come on then, what's, what's next in the uh, iPod of Doom? The iPod of Doom. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, we're... We're exhausting the, the my initial list anyway, so again, this will be uh, familiar stuff. Right, um, I'm going to mention uh, a couple of bands, but the first one, yeah, I mentioned these a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, because this is, again, one of the bands we, we really raved about during our Metal Pigeon days. They released an EP and an album and then split up, sadly. So a band called Eden Mame. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, they they really. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose choose the EP, uh, I think, uh, and not the album because EPs. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the album, which is called "To You, The First Light," was good, but was a bit more produced. I think they. Uh, I think the EP benefited from the, uh, the the rawness of their early days. But yeah, um, it was called uh, "The Treachery Pact." Across, I mean, that was 2002 actually. That came oh, out. Me, really? The, the album was 2005. Um, oh, Jesus, that's that's scary. <laughs> you know, you know what? Then they they that sound. They were quite ahead of their time then, because yeah, for a British band that never really got anywhere. If that had come out now, I think we'd be raving about it. I think we would. I really do. Yeah, I can't uh, believe that's over 20 fucking years old. I'm not, like I say, I mean, what it, it was? It was a good blend of the, the sort of that noughties. Uh, early noughties um, metalcore and post-metal. Um, Dirty know, word. Bit Dillinger, but lots of atmosphere. That's I think that's what sort of stood out for me. Lots of yeah. atmosphere. You know, I mean, we, you know, this is the time where we were getting into Cult of Luna, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and listening to, you know, sort of Dillinger as well. Um, St Albans, yeah. So, you know, it's not what you expect from a place like that, I'll be honest. <laughs> um <laughs> I love it. Wikipedia, as of September 2005, they are on an indefinite hiatus. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, I, I, I think anyone who probably liked them at the time would probably still really enjoy them. And I, yeah, I need to revisit. But um, yeah, that was that was a great, great EP. That was quite an interesting era for music, actually, going away from the usual metalcore and all that at the same kind of time. So you know, British music is another band we really liked similar kind of time with Johnny Truant uh, who I'm about to mention as well so I'll, I'll get on to that so Go straight yeah because it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same thing isn't it 
Johnny Truant, yeah, they released three albums in the noughties, uh, and then again, just called it a day. I don't know if they're doing anything, any of the lads are doing anything now. Um, I hope they are, but yeah, they they, they released three albums. Um, and again, metalcore-ish, mathcore, post-metal, uh, lots of shouty stuff, but it's, you know, really good, good technical stuff going on. Some hooks, some atmosphere, brutally heavy at times lots of breakdowns yeah um they toured like fuck they were everywhere they were everywhere they yeah, were yeah. fucking i mean like i say you know like i just I, to the point where I, I just go to various gigs they weren't even playing their singer ollie was there and you know i'm sure i'm sure if i was to sort of have to say hello to him he'd recognize me actually he was you know, he was a great fan boy. uh huh fanboy yeah but yeah they released they released three albums uh at the time um, from two, so 2002, the first one was called The Repercussions of Badly Planned Suicide. That's the one. Uh, second album was called In the Library of Horrific Events. And the third album was No Tears for the Creatures. And I mean, I'll, I'll pick out the second album, In the Library of Horrific Events, because I think that's just when they just blended everything just about right and there was a bit more accessibility. But you know what? All three albums were, were good. And I, I'm sure would probably hold up very well now. Um, I, mean, some of, I mean, the song titles were brilliant. I mean, they got things, I think we, we were talking about this back in the day. We got one one track called I'm the Primatologist, Mr. Robert Sapolsky. That's that's what, that's the one that was yeah. going around in my head. And um, yeah, actually that second album in the Library of Horrific Events was uh, produced by Adam Dukovic of Killswitch Engage. So, you know, they were making a name for themselves. Yeah, credibility. Yeah, massively. Um, yeah, there's another track called Dirty Vampire Feeding Prezi. I love you even though you're a zombie now. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to, I need to get back into those albums. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a shame that they split up and they never got anywhere because they deserved deserved so much better. But, I, do, I do think some of these bands that had that sort of sound, you know, we would the press would be all over them now. Yeah. It was a, it was a long way ahead of its time. That the first album, I remember the first album more so than anything from Johnny Truant, and it was it was it was heavy, wasn't it? Really heavy, dirty, nasty kind of production to it. Bit rough around the edges, but it it worked yeah. with the sound, didn't it? And yeah, you're right. I was getting into a lot. I was getting right, same as you were getting into a lot of stuff like that. Cold Luna, Isis, or Mastodon as well. Same yeah. kind of time. All this sort of new and interesting stuff that was was kind of coming out and you know i think we were talking the other day was i talking to you maybe somebody else first getting my hands on the first cult luna album and it's like it's fucking eight songs on it bang right that's not an album that's that's half an album that's you know then we listen to it and it's all eight minutes long and dirty fucking nasty heavy stuff what an impact that was yeah and it's their debut album is one that doesn't really get talked about well cult luna mm. i you know what? i think that's my favorite I, I yeah, it's it's between the first, it's between that and the beyond. The, the first two albums, they're they're just almost fabulous. Well, I, mean, I mean, I know people talk about Salvation, won't they? Um, yeah, yeah, but and I and I really like um, uh, Mariner. Yeah, see the the later stuff, I've not, I haven't given as much time as I did to the to the earlier stuff. I was so blown away by them back then. Yeah, Mariner with Julie Christmas. Yeah, that was a that was brilliant. It's a real real epic. Stuff on that real, yeah, yeah. That's a must listen, I would say. Well, maybe I'll stop being so, um, so obstinate, and I'll I'll give it a go then because 
you know, without wanting to sound like one of those, you know, prick metal fans that I only listen to the early stuff. Um, after the third album, I did lose interest a little bit. I think, I think Eternal Kingdom was a bit bit laid back in comparison to the previous yeah. three. So this is the thing they did. They did go a little bit. Soft, no, no, Eternal, didn't they? Eternal Kingdom. I think it was a, no fourth album was somewhere along the highway. Yeah, that one where they pull back a bit. Eternal Kingdom was a bit better, but um, yeah, I can see that. It's yeah, it's um, started doing more atmosphere than the heavy stuff. And yeah, I yeah. mean when I you know I go back and listen to songs like Genesis on the Beyond and just how fucking heavy that riff is when it kicks in, and you know when we were seeing them live. I think I think I went to see them four times on the same tour, um, and just stuff like that. It was so fucking heavy. So when they went a little bit, like you said, a bit more atmospheric, a bit softer, I, I did lose interest. But I will I will give the Julie Christmas one a go because yeah, I cool. I rate that. I really do. I'll, uh, I'll I'll get it on the big kit over the weekend and give it a proper listen. No, I've got one eighties album in my list. Go on. Yeah. One, one measy 80s album. Yeah. So it's, it's a band called Malaya Rage and the album's Kill to Survive. So okay. they were, I suppose they're a little bit thrash, but there's, there's a, t- a touch of, you, you, you could almost say they're one of the, like a, this is like an early take on, on metalcore. Okay. It's quite, it's quite straight up metal in its sound, but it does have that hardcore element to it, which just set them apart a little bit from, from a lot of the other bands around that kind of time. Um, this album Kill to Survive it's just full of anthems brilliant brilliant album but there's one song that they did a song called The Witching which isn't actually on this album but it's one of the most metal metal songs I think I've ever heard and the video that goes with it is all chains and fire and posing and you know all of that and I think it's got quite a cult following and it's a proper stomping metal anthem and I urge everybody to listen to it Kills to Survive is their best album, but that particular song, The Witching, which doesn't actually appear on any of their properly released albums, is on a compilation somewhere. Um, go listen to it. If you're, if you're into If you bang your fucking head, you will like this band, basically. And what are they called? Malaya Rage. M-E-L-I-A-H. And the, the word Malaya Rage, Malaya was the... If I if I get this right, it was the state of mind that Native Americans would get into after taking certain substances. Okay, all and right. Malaya rage was was how they would react to that and killing sprees and all that kind of thing. So, I think I think that's that's just about accurate enough. And their uh, their imagery was was sort of Native American stuff as well. The t shirts had all of that. So nice, yeah, really 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 good fun. Just proper mail, but again cult following but they never went anywhere i think they toured with the likes of sepultura in the early 90s and things but they never quite never quite got there it's the archetypal obscure band that should have made it and never did another one in a similar kind of vein so like you were saying back in our metal pigeon days and how much we were into the swedish stuff and the mellow death was all on a you know a real high back then there's an american band called n forsaken uh, remember I think, them? Yeah, I think I remember the name. I couldn't recall any of their songs though. The debut album was called The Forever Endeavor. Came out in 2004. Maybe, maybe. Um, and it was like, you know, it, it did sound like an American take on Swedish melodic death metal, which is essentially what it was. Um, the first song on the album is called Tales of Bitterness. 
and the opening 30 seconds to that song are some of the best melodic death metal I've heard. You know, it's it's up there with in flames at their best. And um this this album's is a, a massively underrated piece of work. And I think they released this and and again just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Well worth a listen. And again, I will add it to the playlist. Oh, fucking hell, what else have I got? I, this is one for you. This lot probably would have been up your street if you weren't aware of them. Not waving but drowning. Do you remember them? No, no, that's uh, completely missed me. Yeah, so the album, excuse me, that I'm talking about is called If It's Too Cute, Set It On Fire. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you soak that one up. Uh, on, came out, on. came out, <laughs> this came out in 1999. So again, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it, it is quite ahead of its time in, in a similar way of, of what we've been talking about. In the kind of Dillinger Escape Plan, Drowning Man, From Autumn to Ashes, Every Time I Die kind of vein, you know, jazzy, techie, hardcore kind of thing. There's a bit of helmet in there as well. Um, I think it's definitely up your street. Right, okay. All right. They released a few more albums after this, but they, they never never really caught me as much as this one did. This one's really good. It's it's quite hooky, but it's it's just it's just mad. I, I very difficult to describe. Not as extreme as Dillinger, not as catchy and groovy as every time I die, but kind of somewhere in the middle. There is a little bit of an emo flavor to it as well, I suppose, which yeah, that's what coming coming from me is probably quite surprising. Um, and yeah, great album title. If it's too cute, set it on fire. Okay, right. Well, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, give um yeah, give them a go. That you, I think I, I'd be surprised if you didn't like them. And, and like I said, anybody who, anybody else who's into that kind of shit, then then give it a go. Um, no, I've still got more on this list. Um, Immortal Souls. Ever heard of them? No, no. So. I'm not entirely sure where they're from. I'd like to think they're Finnish, but they're probably Canadian or something. Uh, in 2003, released an album called Ice Upon the Night. And um, basically, it's Children of Bottom gangbanging immortal. Jesus. Okay. I did, I, I, it, <laughs> um, right? <laughs> it, it's very hooky, very catchy. Um Lots of lots of very very widdly guitar work in there as well, and uh, but yeah, with those got kind of immortal touches to it, it's it's good fun. I think they're still going as well. Um, to what extent I don't know, but again, this is another one of those those random early two thousands albums that stumbled across in the early days of looking for music on the internet. Probably MySpace or Napster or LimeWire was the other one that. I used to use and discover quite a lot from so yeah give it a go you won't find them on your ipod though no it's all becoming it's all a bit familiar at the moment i'm just sort of trying to go through and see if there's anything that i could probably include on this list i got just one suggestion i mean maybe they're not obscure enough but i don't think they they, they didn't go long term that's a band called the bled yeah that rings a bell are they they, they were yeah it was metalcore uh naughty's metalcore uh they released an album called pass the flask I, think I remember. I, I remember the name. Yeah, I absolutely loved that album at the time. Just quite full on, quite frenetic. Again, it's, it's very much of its time, um, but it was good at what it does. It, what it did. Um, then released the second album, which I just didn't like at all. Um, and then they split up afterwards. So, um, but I think yeah, they're one of those bands who I think probably still got a bit of a bit of a fan base. And I think they might have reformed actually recently and got a few gigs. So. We're not talking super obscure. 
But in every era of metal, there's that that sort of second wave of band that comes through in it. The initial ones that get the the kudos and and the popularity, and then you've got those underlying bands that come along, and like Still Remains are probably one of those. They were a good example. Mm. But you know, off the back of all the the, the kill switch engages that got signed, there was always the the the, the shit that also got signed that just wasn't very good. Especially around that time, there was there was an awful lot of it. Um, I remember seeing one band. I think they played the same like Still Remain called Martyr AD. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, very, just very stereotypical metalcore band. But it was like they, I, I don't understand why this band had been signed. They were probably on Trustkill Records or one of those. I would have thought, but but you had that Roadrunner bought up. Ferret Music, didn't they? And Trustkill, and then the Warner Brothers takeover yeah. of Roadrunner. So I think a lot of those bands got quite a lot of exposure where they wouldn't necessarily have done if it wasn't for that situation. Every time I die, one of those, it, it, the whole the whole kind of thing got got sort of swallowed up, and I think a lot of bands lost their way. But even Killswitch started on Ferret Music. Yeah, they did. The yeah. first one came out, and you had labels like Life Force was another one where Trivium started. They had some great stuff. Yeah. Um, Heaven Shall Burn started on Life Force Records, and there was there's a few others as well. We talk a lot about the new wave of traditional heavy metal on here as well. Uh, in 2011, we talked about this in the in the 50th episode. In Solitude, the world, the flesh, the devil. Yeah, you mentioned them. Yeah. Have you had a chance to listen to it yet? No. I made the chance though, so that's my bad. <laughs> that was your homework. Shame on you. Uh, I, yeah, well, I never did my homework. That's why. <laughs> that's why I got into trouble or not. Um, uh, yeah, like I said on that episode, I think they they they're like in their late teens when they recorded this album, and uh, it's disgusting. You know, bear in mind this is it came out twelve years ago. This is a real. It, it almost feels like that album or well, that band, in fact, kicked off this. Them and Enforcer, I think, kicked off this resurgence in, in in proper heavy metal again. Swedish, so they tick all the boxes. I listened to it again last week, and you know, sort of forgot how how much I enjoyed it. It's it's, it's a weird one because it's not as it's not as full on as a lot of the new wave of traditional heavy metal is now. You know, we were talking about Speed Hall last week, which is just sort of balls out, relentless kind of speed metal, but. This album's a bit more, a bit more reserved, a bit more controlled, and it's it's a bit more about the songs, and the hooks, and all the things that we keep talking about. Um, yeah, did it really, really well. And and again, I think they they've done two or three albums, and then they fucked off. They're probably only about twenty five, twenty six months on this split up. I've gone, think- I've gone through the iPod. I think I'm out in terms of potentially obscure stuff and borderline. I think I pretty much, yeah, I think I pretty much exhausted. Age of Taurus, Desperate Souls of Tortured Times is another one that cropped up on my list last week. No. Uh, I'm mad to think this is 10 years ago. So this is a load of members of UK hardcore bands that decided to form a doom band. (laughs) But a proper traditional Sabbathy type doom band. And and, uh, yeah, this album's the result. Uh, Members of Eviscerate AD, Raiden, Special Move. All of this lot, and uh, yeah, it, it actually works really well. Kind of like the uh, the opposite of Three Inches of Blood, I suppose. Hardcore band that go, oh yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, good Sabbathy worship in Doom, really worth a listen. And I think, yeah, I think that's 
this, this list came together very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, that's, well you, you. And we're back. Um, sorry, my laptop had a complete fucking meltdown there. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but, um, but yeah. Was it a metal meltdown? <laughs> it was a, yeah, I think it, yeah, probably nothing quite that spectacular, but I, uh, I deleted deleted Microsoft Word off my laptop, and now it's working again. So fuck you, Microsoft. <laughs> um, yeah. What What was you just saying about you? You oh, so we were talking about the Metal Pigeon. You still got all your old promo CDs? Oh no, I, I had I kept my Karanga Metal Hammer promo CDs for a few years because um, I still got my CDs under my bed. Uh, well, wherever they are now, but um, I kept the promos for ages because I think. Once I got my computer, my first proper PC, and realised I could start ripping the songs, I thought, well, I'll get around to that. And I did get around to that eventually. Um, I've been faffing around with how I organise my music, but they're not on my iPod. But yeah, I've got an entire file on my hard drive of all the songs I liked from all those promos. And I, I got rid of it. I chucked them because I didn't want to take the space, but... I've just got the songs. So I kind of need to make a point of going through that file and listening to them and checking out those albums properly on Spotify and maybe even trying to, you know, if I like any of them, go on an eBay or something. But yeah, um, I'm sure no, I'm no, 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 Nostalgia is such a, it's, it's such a powerful thing sometimes. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. I know, I know it's sort of 20 years ago, but to a certain extent, a lot of it feels like it was, you know, last year kind of thing. It's how, how quick time has gone, but yeah, it's, it's the, the the fun I've had this week going back over some of these albums that I haven't even thought about for twenty odd years, maybe it's um it's been quite it's been quite almost cathartic, I think. Yeah, like you say, like, yeah. yeah. The time that's passed, it's like I'm quite that was twenty five years ago. Well, that's what's at least that's what Spotify and Apple Music and all that gives us now. Most of this stuff, ninety nine percent of it, you can go out there and find it. You know, so it, it, it's I don't know necessary evil if you want, but. But um, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll probably stop rambling. We'll wrap it up there, and uh, before Bill Gates comes and fucks my computer again, next week we will be joined once again by Tailgunner, who were with us back on episode eleven, right back in the early days of this podcast. Cool. They're coming on to talk about the uh, the forthcoming debut album, which we really like. Um, yeah, it'd be good to get them back on and have a bit of a talk about it, and. Uh, and what the future holds for them. It's it's exciting times for Tailgunner, I think. They've got huge potential to go a long way. And and the album, believe me, is uh is 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 a really good one. And it's it's already sort of in my top ten list for the year. So that'll be a fun one. It won't the episode won't go out on the normal day. We normally put these out on a Monday. It'll be sometime sometime in that week when we get around to it. But um but yeah, but yeah I'm looking forward to that one. Thank you, Mr. Margate. And uh you can uh, go back to your deck chairs and fish and chips and seagulls and all that kind of shit now, and, uh, and we'll uh, we'll reconvene next week. Oh, jelly deals and jelly. Yeah. No. Who, who fucking eats jelly deals? I, I don't know. It's it, I've never understood the attraction. They've always the Cockney thing, I think. And I'm I'm South London, so uh, no no chance. No fucking grim. No, uh, yeah. And on that note, uh, thanks for listening. Been a bit rambly, but we get there in the end. Yeah, uh, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. Stay metal. Good.